Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Amen. So we're busy with our series and we're busy with part three this morning, Hearing Removes Fearing. And uh, I want to invite you, like I said, let's, let's partake. Let's think on what we are hearing. Let's make some notes. Let's feast on the word together in the week. If you come together with another friend or a believer or at life group, uh, there's opportunity to share. Okay, cool. Uh, what, what stood out for you? What blessed you? Um, I often ask my wife if we do some uh, Bible study together and we read a passage or we do some studying. Like I, I often ask her, okay, cool. What, what blessed you? What stood out for you? And um, she often thinks I'm trying to test her. To see if she listened or if she, if she uh, received something. And that's not my heart. It is really to, to, to draw from her what God's Spirit is ministering in her heart. Because I know He might be ministering in a different way to her than to me. From the same passage of Scripture. And by partaking and by sharing in that way, we're getting more out of the Word. So I want to encourage you um, to make notes and think on the Word. So that if someone asks you, what bless you, what stood out for you, that you have something to bring something to give um, to the table. So uh, we looked at uh, in, the, in the foundation just as a mean of introduction, and then I'll recap on last week quickly. In order to live a life of significance, we need to be able to hear God's voice. If we're going to go through life with this, this fear or this, this, um, this unbelief, do I hear God's voice? Can I hear God's voice? When do I get to hear His voice? We're always going to be passive. We're always going to hold back. We're always going to feel unqualified. And so it's vitally important to understand that we get to hear God's voice. Just a few truths that we've established in the last two weeks is firstly, any child of God hears His voice. Any child of God, if you're a child of God, if you said yes to Jesus, if you've received the gift, the gift of life, then you can hear God's voice. And you've probably heard His voice, but you don't know and you, don't, or you didn't know that it was His voice. And so throughout the series, we want to clarify and make it as simple as possible. Last week, we looked at some practical components to um, uh, recognizing His voice. So I want to encourage you, the teaching is online, get it. This morning, we're going to look at cultivating a receptive heart. Cultivating a receptive heart. Because ultimately, we need to understand if our hearts are hardened, we're not going to hear anything. If our hearts are, are closed off, if we're kind of clenching our fists, holding on to our own lives, making decisions for me, myself, and I, building my kingdom here on earth, we're not opening up for God to show us His way. We're not allowing Him to direct our steps, as, the, uh, as uh, 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 Solomon writes in Proverbs. So it's vitally important to cultivate and to understand how does it look to cultivate a receptive heart? What does a receptive heart look like? In John 10, verse 27, we've, uh, we'll continue looking through the, the specific chapter talking about Jesus, the shepherd, and us being his sheep. And it says, John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now the word hear, hear, just to break it down a little bit. In the Old Testament, the word hear was used in two different ways, two different kind of, it had two different meanings. And the first word was shama. And then the second word was azan. Now, whether that's the right pronunciation or not, that's besides the point. The point is this. Shama meant to declare or make a noise. And then azan meant to broaden out the ear with the hand. 
So it's like a, making sure like I, I hear, like there's attention to that. Now those are the two different references. And then in the New Testament, there's a completely different uh, meaning behind the word hear. And it says, to hear in various senses and to understand. So that's quite interesting. There's a hearing and there's an understanding when the word hear is used in the New Testament and as we see in John chapter 10. Now, what does all of this mean? It means something. We're going to get to it. So we see firstly that there was, there was a difference between the old, how hearing was, was talked about, how it was referenced to, and in the old we see dramatical, we see loud. And even if you go, we're not going to go to specific examples, uh, or we might touch on a few examples, but we're not going to go into detail on them, but we, we see dramatic, we see loud, we see in your face, we see external. But in the New Testament, we see soft, we see internal. And we see cont continual as well. In the old, it was coming and going. Like it was, then one moment, there's, there's kind of, there's, a, there's an audible voice or there's a loud voice. And then there's like a little bit of silence uh, for, for a period of time. But in the New Testament, it is continual. Now we might not hear it continual, but that does not mean God isn't speaking continually. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, Don't be obsessed with money, but live content with what you have. For you always have God's presence. For hasn't He promised you, I'll never leave you alone, never. And I'll never loosen my grip on your life. That is a promise that you need to plant and establish in your hearts. In the Old Testament, we see that the Spirit of God, the anointing of God, came and went on specific men for specific times, for specific purposes. In the New Testament, we see a continual dwelling of the Holy Spirit. He will never leave you, He will never forsake you. Guess what? He's not loosing His grip on you. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. So our bodies, your body has become the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? He's here to stay. So all of this means that there was a, there was a specific difference between the old and the new. And we need to understand which side of the cross we are living we need to understand that Jesus accomplished something for us by dying on the cross, by being raised from the dead, and by pouring out His Spirit. We are His dwelling place 24-7. He doesn't go on holiday. When you go on holiday, He goes there with you. When you're not in church, He goes with you. He doesn't come to uh, enjoy lunch with me after church. He goes with all of us. That's why Jesus told His disciples, It is good, it is beneficial for you that I go. Because if I don't go... I can't send you my helper, my comforter, to be with you always. Man, that's something that uh, we often just kind of forget and we're not expressing enough thanksgiving for God's presence being there 24-7. In our lows, in our highs. He doesn't leave when we low. He doesn't kind of, uh, uh, he's unchangeable. He's constant. Now this morning we want to look at six practical ways to cultivating a receptive heart from Scripture. And I'm going to give you guys an acronym. Who of you enjoy acronyms? I enjoy acronyms. I enjoy practical. And it's good, it's good to structure the word practically. It's good to even um, think about this. This is, a, this is going to be some homework for you guys. I'm not going to test you guys on the homework. But it's good as a believer to know how to structure the gospel message in three minutes. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, structure? 
gospel message, three minutes? Like, I thought that's for the pastor. Why are you thought wrong? It's not just for the pastor. All of us here this morning, if you've received the Spirit of God, there's a calling on your life. 2 Corinthians 5 says that you are ambassadors of God. With a ministry. We all have the same ministry. It might look different, but the ministry is the same. It's a ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation to God. And that has come and was made available through the gospel message. And so we need to understand that if I want to minister this, this message of reconciliation effectively, then I need to actually go and think about this and put it down maybe on paper. So the homework for you is go home this week and ask yourself, what is the gospel message? And how can I put it down in three minutes with some structure, with a beginning and a build up? Like any movie, there's a beginning, right? And then there's an end. And so it's important for you to understand this. And even if you've got a testimony, to, 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 to think about your testimony um, of something maybe amazing that's happened in your life through your relationship with God, and go and put it down on paper and speak it out. Because the more you speak it out, the more uh, trained you are maybe in that testimony, maybe in sharing of the gospel, the more confident you are going to be. Because we're all still carnal, right? Well, at least I'm putting up my hand. I'm, I'm still very carnal. Like, there's, there's this carnality part of me. So, so oftentimes when we step out, the more confident we are of something, the easier it's going to be to step out or, or the easier it's going to come. And the people receiving from us are going to take us more seriously because we've actually thought about this. Imagine now you've never shared the gospel with anyone. Okay, You've never done this exercise of putting it down in three minutes and, and how to... Uh, uh, concisely and, and uh, accurately communicated from a starting point and building up to an end where you give them opportunity. Have you heard this message before? What do you think about this? Would you like to receive the gift of salvation? If you've never done that before and you're now put in a situation where someone's like, are you a believer? What does that mean? Like, um, and, then, like you, and then you stand there like, oh well, like, it means that I go to church on Sunday. It means that like, a, like if, you, if you've never put yourself in that position and you put in it like for whatever reason and you put on the spot, you're going to look like a fool. I've been there where I haven't necessarily been as, uh, uh, I haven't practiced it and I haven't trained myself in that. And then you're just like, do I even believe what I believe? That is what's going to happen. If you don't believe what you believe and they see that, why would they want what you have? This is serious, guys. That is what School of the Believer is about that we kicked off. And uh, yesterday we had session three of School of the Believer. And it's all geared towards helping us become effective and understanding what is the gospel message. Because there's many messages in the Bible, but the gospel message is a specific message that we need to come to understand. So that when someone asks us about Jesus, we can tell them and explain to them who Jesus is. And so that we can effectively show them this is the gift of life that every person needs. Every person has a void in their life, has a lack in their life. And that lack can only be fulfilled by God's Spirit. So I want to encourage you guys, go home and put down on paper... And if you don't know what the gospel message is, last week we, we kind of got into that a little bit. 
We've got many teachings on what is the gospel, what is the message of Jesus, and become familiar with that and make it personal to you so that you can share that with your unbelieving friends and family. Amen. Because you are and you might be the only Jesus that anyone ever hears about. Your life might be the only Jesus that anyone ever sees. Your life is a billboard and it's either glorifying Jesus or it's just looking like the world is looking. That's the truth. People are looking at your life and they're either seeing Jesus or they're not. And it's not a condemning truth, it should be a liberating truth because they can see Jesus if you allow him to come out a little bit. A good word? Good stuff. Okay, so let's get into some practical components and the acronym for this morning is FIST. F-I-S-S-T. So we'll look at five components to uh, cultivating a receptive heart. So the first one is focus. Focus. So there's in life, there's external noises. We're living in an information overload. We're living in a, in a, in a, a time in the world that there's more information, more noise than we've ever experienced in human history. There's noise continually. I love my phone. I'm, 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 I'm reading and my, my notes on my phone this morning. But what happens when we're um, reading Bible on our phone? We get notifications. What do you do with the notification? If you if if you if if you're good, then you can ignore it. If you challenge a little bit, still in the area, you're gonna pause. Whatever you're busy with right now, however important it is, studying of the word, and you go check out. Okay, cool. Who liked your Facebook status? None of you, obviously. None of you get distracted like that. So technology is amazing, but it's come with a lot of other add-ons and additives, and it's it's. It's made this, this thing that we hold in our hands very distracting. And so oftentimes with, with us cultivating a receptive heart, we're not focusing, we're not present in the moment. And even in relationships, and Catherine, myself, my wife, we've, uh, we've prioritized and we've kind of become more vigilant in this because if we're not vigilant, the enemy is going to run circles around us, pop our lunch, or eat, the, or eat our lunch and pop the bag. Like... He's just going to run rampant with us. And we need to be vigilant, as James says. Be vigilant. Or Peter writes about this. We need to be vigilant because your enemy, the, 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 your adversary, the devil, he's seeking. He's, he's walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. So he's seeking prey. And we need to be vigilant against these schemes. And oftentimes, the noise that we allow into our lives distracts us from hearing what God has to say. It's about being present, removing the barriers. Exodus 3, let's look at this example. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. And it says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he left the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that, uh, um, that he turned, talking about Moses, aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said to Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. What do you guys learn from this example? 
Moses was going about his own business and there was a bush that burned. And the scripture said that he looked and he beheld. So he could have looked and just moved past. Okay, cool. It's a bush burning. Carried on with his day. Carried on with whatever he's going to be busy with. But he looked and then he beheld. He put his focus on that. He put his attention on that. Then it says, and Moses said, I will now turn aside. So he, he stopped. He saw something. He turned aside and he beheld. He allowed whatever was happening to take his attention. To grab his attention. And only at that time, the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. And then he heard what God wanted to say. So what can we learn from this? Being present, focusing, putting time out. Stop what you do. And set time aside to hear what God has to say. Psalm 46 verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the heathen. I'll be exalted in the earth. Be still. Create opportunity and moments. And like I said with Catherine and myself, there's times in the evening that I say, okay, cool, let's put technology aside. Okay, TV's off, cell phones aside. Let's just enjoy each other's presence, each other's company. And so in that same way, we need to look for opportunities where we remove the noise and the barriers because those things distract and fighting for our attention when God is fighting for our attention as well. And so very practical. First one, focus, being present. And we can apply that to our human relationships as well. And I know it's challenging because our phones are always with us 24-7. And notifications are popping up 24-7. But we need to become vigilant because these things are hindering us from having real authentic relationships with people. And also with God. Second one, intimacy. When it comes to God, we, we tend to skim down on personal time. It's not about quantity of time per se, but it's about that quality time. Really quality time. Song of Psalms says this in Second um, chapter 2, verse 10. The one I love calls to me. Arise, my dearest, hurry, my darling, come away with me. I have come as you have asked to draw you to my heart and lead you out. For now is the time, my beautiful one. How beautiful is that? And this is a spe- there's a specific application, a specific background to, to this letter, but we need to understand that the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, is a message about Jesus, His redemptive plan, a message glorifying God's heart for his people and so this specific verse is a, is, a, is a calling and an invitation and a picture of God's desire to enjoy intimacy with us man when you when you're in love with someone you're not you're not draining spending you're not draining that like oh, now I need to spend time with them like it doesn't happen, right? If, you, if you're in love with someone, you see their heart for you, their love for you, well, you, you get excited to go and spend time with them. You, 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 you look for opportunities to spend time with them. You don't look for opportunities not to spend time with them. You don't allow all different things to consume your time and take up your time. You're like, man, 
I'm so excited to, 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 to spend some time with God, to get into the Word, to just go walk in nature and just praise His name and allow His beauty to minister to me, what He created for us. Like you get excited about those things when you understand who your God is, who your Father is. He desires intimacy with us. Luke 5, 16 says, Jesus often went away to other places to be alone so that He could pray. Alone time. This is amazing. In, in corporate, like a uh, family together, we get to enjoy God's presence right now, partaking of His Word. When you listen to a teaching, that's great. Like when you're um, doing Bible study with, with, uh, with your spouse or when you're um, at live group, all of those things are great. And Jesus even enjoyed ministry among the people, but He also took time out to be alone. You can enjoy a relationship with God, with your spouse, but He also wants to minister to you personally, as His son, as His daughter. And that requires for us to take that time out, to prioritize, just like, just me and God, Father, just you and I. Because before you're a wife, before you're a husband, before you're a father, or before you're a mother, you're a son or a daughter. You need to remember that. Because your marriage can fail. Your children can walk away from you. God will never. We need to put things in perspective and, and, and put the right value system into our lives. Jesus went away often to be alone so that He could pray, enjoy a relationship with His Father, and, and demonstrate to us what that looks like. Acts 4.13 says, when the council saw the boldness of Peter and John and could see that they were obviously uneducated non-professionals, they were amazed and realized what being with Jesus had done for them. Are people saying the same thing about your life? That people are looking at you and they realize maybe you're unqualified, maybe you're not the, the most kind of trained in whatever, but they see there's something different about you. And these men looked at Peter and John and what they saw different about them obviously oozed out who Jesus was. Love, compassion, forgiveness, and I'm sure power as well. A demonstration of power. All because not they that the, wore the nicest clothes or they drove the nicest cars or they had the nicest homes or they had uh, titles in front of their names, doctor and this and that and next thing. No, all because they had been with Jesus, intimacy. Luke chapter 10, verse 41 and 42, it says, The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing. Say one thing. She has discovered the one thing most important. Say most important. So not second important, third important. The one thing most important. What is this? By choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted. And I won't take this privilege from her. Intimacy, focus, undistracted. One thing 
Man, this is Jesus, right? Jesus' response to Martha running around, wanting to serve, wanting to do all of these things, and, and he responds to a complaint. Mary has chosen one thing, most important, and it will not be taken away from her. Because if this one thing becomes the most important thing to you, you're going to schedule that. You're going to, and it's not about, this is very important, because I know some of, you wanna, you, some of your thoughts are going there. It's not to say that intimacy is only enjoyed in that hour that you've set out, in that kind of whether it's in the morning, in the evening, that half an hour where it's just like Bible study. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's being present and being focused in a moment where you're enjoying God's ministry to you. That can happen while I'm walking Chris in our complex and I'm looking at nature and I'm beholding this and I'm allowing God to minister to me through that and I'm present there. Yes, I'm looking at Chris and I'm observing him and even through that I'm, I'm glorifying God for this gift. And so there's an intimacy that we're enjoying. There's ministry that is happening there. God is talking to me. He's showing me things through my son. He's showing me things through the nature. Because I'm setting my gaze upon that. Like Moses was walking, but he wasn't just walking. He wasn't just busy with his life. He was pausing, taking time out to focus on what God was showing him. And that is what we get to do through our intimacy. Creating those moments of intimacy. Whether it's an hour out. Whether it's as you go. But the purpose and the point is this, enjoying intimacy because God is there with you in whatever you're doing. Like he was with Moses in that moment. It's different for us because we've got his indwelling presence. Amen? So we're very privileged. One thing, Jesus wasn't going to take that away from her. Because in that one thing, in enjoying that one thing, our lives are flourishing from that one thing. The fruit that God desires for us to bear comes from that one thing intimacy with him abide in me jesus says john chapter 15 abide in me and you will bear much fruit for without me you can do nothing we need to understand that intimacy is about just enjoying him loving on you and just enjoying him ministering to you and 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 just affirming you of your sonship or of your daughtership it's allowing him to just reveal to you his amazing plans for your future. And we need to understand when we enjoying intimacy with God or we, when we enjoying just time of prayer with God, we need to seek him for who he is, not for what he gives. Oftentimes we, we want to prioritize the, the, the time we're in prayer because now I've got my list. Like I've got my, my, my wish list. It's written down. It's on my wall. Three-bedroom house. Let's go, Lord. Father, I thank you for my three-bedroom house. I thank you for that car. I thank you. Man, imagine all of our human relationships look like that. How superficial, how unrelational. When every time I come to you, I'm like, man, Francois, it's a nice car that you have there, like, I saw you've got a second one in the garage as well. Like, we're currently without a car. Man, Francho is going to avoid me like I'm the plague. Now, praise God, he will never avoid you when you're coming to him with your list the whole time. But there's so much more that God wants you to enjoy from him than looking to his hands.
the handout, the handout, slot machine. <laughs> seek his heart, not his hands. When you seek his heart, the gifts will flow. Matthew 6 says, when we seek first his kingdom, which is a kingdom of relationship, these things will be added unto you. Maybe things you haven't even thought about having. Maybe things that you wanted to have will just kind of, the desire will go away. That's how amazing God is. Psalm 34 verse 7 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. That isn't talking about delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you that Ferrari, that three-bedroom house, that, that supermodel wife that you're desiring, or six-pack of husband that you're dreaming for. <laughs> no, if you, if you study that out, the word delight means to be pliable. When you delight yourself in the Lord, you're allowing your heart to become pliable in His hands. He starts forming and shaping your heart so that before you realize this, the things that you desire line up what He desires for you. And when your heart desires what He has for you, guess what? It is going to come effortlessly. Maybe there's things that you currently desire and it's just carnal, just to put it bluntly. And it's not coming to you. It's not coming to you. And it's not coming to you. And you're upset. You're frustrated. You're angry with God. When last have you allowed your heart to become pliable to His? Start doing that and you will start seeing more fruit coming from your life. And a manifestation of those things that He really desires for you. Third one, simplify. This is, this is really important because we... We're very intellectual beings and we, we try and make things sound very smart and clever. What did Paul do? And what did we see with Peter and John? They were unsophisticated, untrained. Paul said that I made it my, my goal to know nothing except one thing. Jesus and Him crucified. Simplify. We overcomplicate the simple things of God and miss out. What he wants to say to us. Simplify. First Kings, let's look at this. First Kings, this is a practical example of that. Um, verse 19, oh, chapter 19, verse 11 to 12. and says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break it into pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in a fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. The point that I want to illustrate here is, often we, we, we wanting God to speak to us in the, in the loud, and we see this often in the Old Testament. It's loud, it's, it's uh, external, but His new ministry to us is eternal, internal. The still, small voice of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And becoming acquainted with what that voice says, how it sounds. And simplifying your, your, pers your, your personality. Man, I'll, I'll walk in just in our complex and I'll look at a, a number and a number will just come out to me and then the Lord just shows me something through that number. I'll walk and I'll, I'll look at the trees and I'll think about a scripture and then that scripture just ministers to me. Like, it's those simple things. Like looking at a chair. You, everything is spiritual. 
everything around you spiritual. Yes, it's physical and it's carnal as well, but you can allow the Holy Spirit to use anything carnal to minister to you, to speak to you. And you're sitting here like, that's ridiculous. That's why you're not hearing anything. In ministry school, um, I love this exercise where in communication and, and, and ministering the gospel, um, we would get a, a bucket or a hat and there'd be a, a bunch of random objects in there and then we'd have to come and draw one of the objects and then for three minutes make a spiritual conversation of this object. And it's amazing because literally everything can become a spiritual conversation. But if we're not trained to think like that, if we haven't become sensitive to see things from a different point of view, put on the lenses of spirituality, because you are a spiritual being, but maybe you're more conscious of the carnal. And so you're not seeing the spiritual significance of the things that God is continually putting around you and that He wants to speak to you through. So we need to realize that it, it's really simple. It doesn't need to be over, overly complicated. Number four, and we'll look at the two S's now from first, selflessness. This is a challenge for all of us because we, we love being selfless, right? We, uh, we love uh, just giving things away and just allowing everyone else to, to have uh, what they want and we don't care what we want. So selflessness, turn away from yourself, turn to God, empty yourself before God. Turn away from yourself, stop thinking about what you need for a moment. And just think about the relationship that He desires for you. Because oftentimes we, we do come to God and we've, like I said, we've got our lists of we're so conscious of our, our, our carnal circumstances that we're not enjoying the relationship. It's like going uh, to supper with someone or with a friend or you're out with, with someone, you're walking in your nature and there's, there's so much beauty. But because you're so conscious of your current need, and it's become so magnifying, so loud to you, not enjoying that moment with the friend, right? Anyone of you been there, like, where you, you're in an amazing setting, there's even a meal in front of you, and someone's even said, like, okay, cool, I'm going to give you this meal. You're not really enjoying it, because you're worrying about tomorrow. You're worrying about next week. You're worrying about the end of this month. Yet we've got Scripture upon Scripture encouraging us to not be worried. Don't worry about tomorrow, because guess what? By worrying about tomorrow, it's not going to add anything to your life. In fact, worrying about tomorrow is actually making you sick and making you inactive to actually enjoy tomorrow and be more fruitful tomorrow. Worry literally makes people sick. It's not from God. And we can determine, we can change our focus on these things. We see this example where John chapter 14 um, where, where Peter, just in the previous chapter, Peter denies uh, knowing Jesus, or he hears these words from Jesus that he's going to deny knowing him three times. And then Jesus opens up in John chapter 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. What is he basically saying? Don't worry, it's going to be okay. You're going to deny knowing me three times. Not once, not twice, but three times. But just pause, like, I know you want to be worried about this. Let not your heart be troubled. Philippians 2. So talking about selflessness. We're coming to a close. 
Philippians 2 verse 49. Because sometimes we think like, man, it's, I, wish, I wish Jesus showed us how to do this. Well, he did. Philippians 2 49. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also to the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was this mind? How did this look? Verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name. Jesus demonstrated selflessness to us because it's when we are selfless in our relationship with God and in our relationships with, with other people that we actually start to enjoy those relationships. It's when we remove all of the what can I get from this relationship that I truly start to enjoy the relationship. Too often are we in the relationship for what can we get from it. And it's the same within our relationship with God and in the fellowship we enjoy with Him. Oftentimes we come to church as well. None of you, just those who didn't come. Um, man, what am I going to get from church this morning? Uh, I know I'm going to get something good. And yes, you're getting something good. You're getting the Word. But we don't mature past that place where we start to realize, man, I can actually bring something to church. I can bring to someone else. I can bring a word of encouragement to someone else. I can come here and, and if I see someone being down, like, can I pray for you? Let, let's just pray. Like, is there anything on your heart? No? Okay, cool. Let's just, just pray in general. Like, Father, there's anything you want to uh, reveal to me right now to minister to this, uh, to my, my sister or my brother? Um, just show it to me. And then God shows you and you pray into that matter. And man, you were partake in the body and what God has designed us to be. So it's about being selfless. Selflessness will cultivate a receptive heart for you. Then lastly, thanksgiving. And uh, I'm just sharing thanksgiving. None of these things are, uh, it's not an order of importance. It's just uh, to make the, the acronym make sense. <laughs> so uh, there's, there's nothing uh, spiritual about that. So the acronym first closing off with thanksgiving a thankful heart is a receptive heart psalm 100 verse 4 says you can pass through his open gates with the password of praise come right into his presence with thanksgiving come bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name that's awesome the password of praise it's not that we need to kind of enter in god's presence as uh, in the Old Testament where the people came to the temple, we are now the temple. Your body is the temple. We as a church are His temple. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. But in our hearts, in our, in our attitude, in our focus, we can purpose thanksgiving. And when we purpose thanksgiving, we start to experience the things that He has for us. And we can clearly hear what He has for us. So in closing... Acts chapter 2, verse 28. So we looked at focus, we looked at intimacy, we looked at uh, selflessness. We looked at simplifying and then thanksgiving. In closing, Act, Acts 28, verse 25 to 26. 
and disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. Why? Because Jesus wasn't recognized and glorified as the Messiah. So this was the prophecy from Isaiah. Go to the people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. In this acronym first, Focus, intimacy, simplifying, being selfless, and thanksgiving. We need to understand ultimately in our relationship with God, in, in the Christian walk, it's about one thing. It's not about having your mansions. It's not about signs, wonders, and miracles. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus, what He did for you. Jesus dying in your stead so you can have right standing in relationship with the Heavenly Father. And through that relationship, when the relationship and that intimacy becomes the core thing, the primary thing, when it is all about Jesus, we can start to understand. When it's all about Jesus, we can start to perceive. But when it's about all of these other things, we're not understanding, we're not perceiving. We're not hearing what God has to say because we're not faltering it all through Jesus, His message, His mission. To restore the world to right relationship with God and have God's Spirit live in man and God's Spirit live through man. We'll always miss out on hearing God's voice if we come to Him for something other than Him. We'll always miss out on hearing God's voice if we come to Him for anything other than Him. Relationship, intimacy, focus selflessness, simplifying your relationship and entering with thanksgiving. And we need to always realize that it's about glorifying the finished work of Jesus. There's always something to be thankful for. Because until Jesus reappears, until heaven, we can continue to be thankful for Jesus and what He did for you, what He did for me. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at or visit us at gracelife.co.